Okay, hey guys, welcome to Consume, podcast by me, Burton Olivier, where I talk about all the things I consume. And, uh, man, this has felt like a, a long week, or at least a long week since I recorded last. I'm really feeling the how different this is from whenever I was recording every day last week. Like, I it was like Saturday night, I think, and I was like, did I even do a podcast last week? And I did, I just uploaded it, like, a day and a half before. Yeah, I don't know. It's not like anything too exciting happened. Um, I read a lot of comic books, which I mentioned that last week. I had finally um, finished reading my stack of like actual physical comic book uh, trades that I was like my New Year's little challenge for myself was to read all those before I would let myself like read all the pirated comics that I usually read uh, because I'm insane and I'll read pretty much every comic that comes out every week because I just have to know everything that's going on in the DC and Marvel universes. Um, so yeah, I read a lot of comics. I read, I count, I just counted on Goodreads. I logged uh, 49 comics this week and I'm not going to talk about every single one. I'll skim through them in a minute and uh, talk about the highlights. That's not even counting. I also caught up on uh, My Hero Academia, the manga the, like, Dexter has a login for Shonen Jump, so you can read the, like, individual chapters as they come out each week. Uh, so I caught up on that, which is pretty cool. It's, like, entering the last, it's supposed to be the last year of the comic, uh, which is kind of a shame, but it feels like it's building up to a satisfying conclusion. Um, he introduced, he finally introduced, like, the number one American hero. Uh, her name was Star and Stripe, and she's a huge buff blonde chick, so you know I was into that. But unfortunately, she's not in it too much, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess before I get to the books, when it comes to physical consumption, uh, this has been a good week for uh, new sweets, which I know is, you know, we shouldn't be eating that shit, but I found two new ice creams that I really like. There's, uh, you know, that Oatly brand, the oat milk brand. They have, like, these little fudge dipped bars um and i've had the triple chocolate and the salted caramel both fantastic but the salted caramel is like next level that that's like a fucking amazing uh ice cream bar definitely recommend getting that and then um usually i don't buy like regular uh dairy ice cream i usually just buy like the non-dairy pints uh but haagen came out with some new flavors and i really wanted to try they had like a coffee uh brownie one which was fine, but they had another one that was black and white cookie, like those, you know, those big black and white cookies that you, like, only really see at, like, convenience stores in New York for some reason. I don't know why you don't see them, like, anywhere else. They're great, and uh, this ice cream might be my new favorite uh, pint of ice cream. It's just, like, vanilla ice cream with, like, a fudge ripple through it with, like, cookie pieces in it, uh, and it's fantastic. It's, like, the perfect like everything i want ice cream to be you know doesn't need to be too over the top just a little vanilla just a little bit of chocolate get the cookie pieces for a little bit of texture it's very good and then uh uh crispy cream has twix donuts right now and dexter also wanted to go try them so we went to burbank today to first we went to ikea because <laughs> our couch broke we have a shitty couch it's like dexter got it secondhand from someone for a hundred bucks. I can't remember if I talked about it last week, but he got it. Um, one of the springs broke a few months ago, and then finally the leg broke uh, on the side that I sit on, of course, which, like, 
yes, makes me feel self-conscious about being fat, but it's like, it's a piece of shit couch that's already been like falling apart and the leg is awful. So I'm trying not to (laughs) let myself uh, feel too bad about that. So we went to Ikea to just look at the couches there because we were looking online and uh, there's one there that I really like. But it's, of course, fucking like $700. And we went and looked at the box it came in. And it's like just a little too big to fit in my car. Because uh, I have a little Honda Fit. And those, those you'd be surprised. You can like, you can fit a good amount of stuff in there. But this box looks like it's a little too big. So I don't know what, if we go down that road, route, 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 um, we might have to get delivery. But I don't know. We should probably look at other places for couches too. But that one was really nice. Anyway, so we went to Burbank <laughs> uh, to look at that. And we decided to stop by the Krispy Kreme that's up there. And it was amazing. This was the first time I've been there and there's been no line. There was one car in front of us. Usually that fucking Krispy Kreme has a line that's gone all the way out of their parking lot, snaking around out of the like driveway into the uh, strip mall and then onto the street. Uh, so we got that. We got the Twix donuts, and I thought they were pretty good. Dexter didn't like, because there's like one donut that's like a bar that has like a full-size Twix bar inside of it, and Dexter didn't like that one because he said it was too oily, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, and then they had like another like ring donuts, like a chocolate glaze with, uh, and like inside the ring is like stuffed with like caramel sauce or like dolce de leche sauce or something with like Twix bits on top of it. And that was also pretty good. And that's it for uh, food <laughs> news, I think. I don't think I tried anything else new this week. So yeah, books. Let's skim through my comics and see. Uh, I finished up. I finished up the Firefly comic book run. Uh, that Greg Pack has been doing. It ended at 36 issues. That was pretty good. That whole, If you like Firefly, if you're a horrible dork like me, um, this Greg Pack run I would highly recommend reading. Uh, I haven't read many of the other Firefly comics, but uh, this one has been really good. Uh, I caught up on Batman, Joshua Williamson's new run. He's only three issues in, uh, and it's pretty good. He's Batman's in New York right now, and he's dealing with uh, this new uh, bad guy named abyss i don't we don't know everything about him yet but the vibe of this has been really good he's been using the batman ink like the batman from around the world uh that uh it was introduced back in like the 40s and then grant morrison used them again and now they're like working for lex luther or maybe abyss who knows uh so it's been a fun story and also michael or michael janin yannin the artist is fantastic he draws an amazing batman uh and i caught up on detective comics pretty good there's this whole arkham tower storyline that's been fun it'll be a good trade to read when it's all 12 parts are collected uh a lot of use of huntress in it which i like um world of krypton that's whatever uh supergirl woman of tomorrow the eighth and final issue came out by the series by tom king and bill Quist, everly and tellers by matt lopez i believe fantastic series uh it's basically like true grit but instead of rooster cogburn it's supergirl is pretty much what it is uh uh highly recommend it it's great batman the night the series has been pretty good it's a chip zadarsky writing like batman that period of time where batman leaves gotham as like a 
young man and goes to train. And so this is him in France learning to be a cat burglar from the greatest cat burglar there. Some woman whose name I can't remember. Uh, but this one is funny because like we have to establish this story is in the past, but it's on like that sliding scale. So it's not like because the past for Batman now is not like the 30s anymore. Now it's the early 2000s. <laughs> so the way that they choose to date this book is by giving Bruce uh, a razor cell phone, uh, which I think is really funny. But yeah, it's a it's a good series, and like Chip is doing a good job of having a young Bruce like mentally grapple with his the like hypocrisy of his vow and how he's choosing to like fulfill it. You know, because he has to commit all these crimes in order to stop criminals. Uh, it's pretty good. Hellboy, Bones of Giants. That finished. That was fun. It's Hellboy as Thor. It's a good time. Uh, Nightwing eighty nine. I gave this five stars, and I already can't remember what happened. Oh, it's just Nightwing teaming up with. Uh, Superman's son, who is now just Superman. Um, it's really good human moments, like all Tom Taylor comics. Uh, King Conan, number three, the series continues to rule. Uh, James Bond, Himeros, or Himeros, uh, number five, which ended this Himeros, Himeros, uh, Himeros storyline, uh, came out, and it was fine. I really had, like, high hopes for this series, because they set it up as, like, James Bond tackling the Epstein issue. It was, like, him, Epstein dies, and then Bond has to, like, find Ghislaine Maxwell and whatever, uh, and then take out the real bad guy, who's, like, an arms drug dealer who was above Jeffrey Epstein, who, like, didn't like that he was associated with this, like, child trafficker. Uh, so it ends kind of flat, but it's still kind of fun. Whatever. Oh, a lot of Justice League. The new Hulk story is picking up. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, I started reading Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses, which is like the next, I think I talked about it. I can't remember if I talked about it last week or the week before. Uh, it's a big omnibus of like crime comics that I had read from the 90s. And so this is the same guy like continuing the story. And it's, this is from like 2015. Um, and it's it's good. I was kind of hoping it would continue on from the end of uh, where the omnibus ended, so we find out what happened to Virginia. But this is going back to the 80s, to the and now we're covering like this big crime or big situation that like was only referenced to, but we never actually saw. And so now we're seeing how it happened. Uh, and it's been pretty good. Not exactly what I wanted, but still very solid fun uh crime comics caught up on amazing spider-man and it's so nice that this like this run of spider-man has actually been fun it's been like a bunch of different writers on it and they're doing this whole storyline where like there's this beyond corporation and they've hired ben riley who is like you know spider-man's clone from back in the clone saga because spider-man has been injured and out because he got radiation poisoning and so ben riley has been our main spider-man and so it's like fun to see him try to live up to this uh ideal in his head but then we're also learning about how this beyond corporation that's been hiring him about how all their shady shit's going on and they've like introduced their own new villain because you know if they're a company to make money you know they make heroes they also need to be making villains so they can have like a monopoly on the market or whatever and so they make this new queen goblin uh who's just like a red female green goblin um and she's actually pretty cool uh the real highlight of catching up on the Spider-Man, though, was they did a, there's a side comic, Mary Jane and Black Cat Beyond. Uh, and this is like, while Peter has been laid up in the hospital, Mary Jane and Felicia Hardy, uh, the Black Cat, have been like checking up on him. And so this starts out with them like in the hospital with him and then the hood 
who is a bad guy, who he gets his powers from a magical hood. He lost his hood. He wants it back. He wants Black Cat, the best thief uh, in the Marvel Universe, to go get it for him. And so she and Mary Jane go on this like mission to get the hood back. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. They're a really good team. This writer, um, Jed McKay, he's been doing this. He did a really amazing run on Black Hat over the past few years. Like, whenever if they ever make like a Jed McKay Black Hat omnibus, I will definitely buy it because uh, he did really good work with them. So it's him. And then the artist, uh, Sia Villa, is really good. And so, yeah, this is just a fun, uh, like team up issue and it's nice to see mary jane and like felicia work together and be friends and like felicia kind of grapple with her place in peter's life and then mary jane mary jane reassuring her that she's not just like the bad girl or whatever that uh wasn't good enough for peter you know because that's exactly what mary jane used to be because you know when he had gwen stacy like mary jane was like the party girl so yeah it's a really fun uh, issue. I need to find a physical copy of it somewhere. Um, so stupid. I like had most of this comic spoiled for me by a TikTok because there was a TikTok about like canonically Mary Jane now has a dump truck ass. And it's just, I like watched it because I thought I was just going to show like one joke, like a panel joke. And then that's all it is. It's just Black Cat makes a joke about Mary Jane not being able to fit into her costume because she has a dump truck ass. And so I just wanted to see the joke or what it was going to be. But the guy in the TikTok video just explained the entire plot to this comic. <laughs> and so I like had most of this spoiled for me, unfortunately. But it was still a fun ride to take. Um, and then uh, the last comic I read was uh, Black Widow 13 uh, by Kelly Thompson and art by Raphael Pimentel. Uh, and this was good. This whole, it was like a flashback issue. And the whole issue is just this one fight of Black Black Widow fighting this guy, the Living Blade, who I'm not sure I ever heard of. I don't know if this is a, uh, an old character or if it's something Kelly Thompson made up. Uh, but it's, I like when an issue is just one long fight. It's fun. And they do a good job of uh, the art to like show that this whole thing is a flashback. The colorists like use those old school like printing dots like the four the old like four color printing dots you'd see in those old comics um that was used to like good effect it's a fun like meta way of making things a flashback yeah that's it for for book update not the most comprehensive or uh exciting thing to listen to i'm sure but really i was mostly recording today to to check in with you guys um yeah but i'll be back uh in a second for you and in a day for me to uh, talk about movies. There's some good ones this week. So yeah, we'll be back uh, in a moment after a message from our sponsors. Okay, hey guys. Uh, back. I was thinking about it. You know, I should put an ad <laughs> there in the middle of the two segments. It is uh, Audacity. Or no, I record Audacity. I upload this stuff on Anchor. And they do have that like easy way to put ads in your podcast and monetize them thing. But then I'd probably have to take the Metallica song off the end of my episodes. And I don't know if I want to sacrifice uh, my artistic integrity for money. <laughs> uh, today was an alright day. Fucking cold and windy. It's 45 degrees <laughs> in Los Angeles. So I'm freezing, of course. It was like a high of 50. Did a lot of driving around today, but we'll get to that later. Um... Yeah, guess we'll we'll get right into the movies. How many do I have to talk about this week? Eleven movies, more than I thought. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, an insane thing I did last week. Uh, I rewatched Bullet last week because um, they were covering it on Action Boys and uh, for their new episode. And I like 
So I wanted to rewatch it just so I can see some of the minutia because I forgot most of it. So I wanted to know what they were talking about. But like Bullet's a pretty quiet movie. So I didn't want to just sit through Bullet again. And also I was in the middle of listening to the Dirty Harry episode of Action Boys. Um, So I just watched (laughs) Bullet while listening to a podcast about Dirty Harry, which I feel like is the most insane way that anyone could choose to consume media, uh, but I did it, and it was, you know, it was a nice enough experience. I also have my notes here to talk about Peacemaker. I don't really have much to say about it. I just wanted to note that I watched something. <laughs> uh, uh, Peacemaker's good. It's a really good, uh, fucking, of all the superhero shows, it's one of the most well-made, and John Cena is just, he's fucking amazing. Love John Cena. Anyways, the movies. Uh, first up, we got Surviving the Game from 1994, uh, and this movie just fucking straight up rules. It's so much fun all the way through. So it's, uh, you know, it's like the most dangerous game, rich people hunting a poor person, and in this one it's, uh, Ice-T as a homeless person getting, uh, hunted by a, a great cast of rich assholes. You got Rutger Hauer and, uh, Gary Busey, F. Murray Abraham, fucking Charles S. Dutton, and John C. McGinley. Uh, and yeah, it's just a fun time. Like, Ice-T is, like, great in this. He's believable. Uh, and he's just, like, fucking cool <laughs> throughout. Uh, Gary Busey has a great speech where he talks about a dog attacking him. Uh, John C. McGinley is a lot of fun uh, as this, like, asthmatic Texan guy who thinks he's hot shit, but he's not. Uh, Rutger Hauer is terrifying. Uh, and so is Charles S. Dutton. Charles S. Dutton is, like, way too happy about this, uh, being able to hunt down a human. And yeah, so it's just a good time of, like, they do a good job with this, like, kind of cliche premise, and all the actors are having a lot of fun. The only note that I took down while I was watching it is that Ice-T is 32, supposed to be 32 in this, which is the same age as me, which kind of feels weird. So yeah, fucking four stars for surviving the game. Uh, it's just a, it's a great time. And then, uh, next up I watched Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, which following, so I've never seen, I've only seen the new Star Trek movies. Uh, I've never watched any episodes of like any of the TV shows, none of that shit. Um, I feel like I know a good amount about it just from like pop culture osmosis, but following this, uh, Action Boys list of movies is like causing me to, uh, fill in a lot of my blind spots. And there's a few big ones this week uh because of action boys so yeah star trek 2 uh the wrath of khan 1982 you know charles shatner leonard nimoy uh ricardo maltabon uh and his pecs star in this movie kirstie alley uh and this is good it's really fucking solid like you know there's not too much actual action but there's some cool effects like all the space stuff looks good like the ship like treating like the spaceships like naval ships and like the way you shoot them works really well um and like the story is like pretty simple but like they hit the emotions really well like that that whole ending sequence where like we all know you know spock dies and then kirk gives like the fucking uh eulogy about how uh spock was the most human person he knew uh and like i got choked up during that scene and uh yeah i don't know it's just really good they did a great job with this and it really works too because they didn't because like shatner is older than he was in this series i'm like paraphrasing something that they put into better words on the action boys and uh like them embracing the fact that shatner is older and making this about like what a man does in his like midlife or later life crisis after uh and not just treating him like the same young captain that was on the show 
like having him grapple with that humanity or whatever, uh, it's good. I don't know. Doesn't necessarily make me want to watch more Star Trek. Uh, but yeah, four stars for Star Trek too. It did also, since of course, you know, bunch of stuff about age and life. There's some existential thoughts through this. And then one thing uh, that I don't, uh, that, that I wrote down my notes is that I, I don't trust teleportation. Like they use the, uh, the beaming up and down. If, if teleportation is ever made, I'm never going to fucking use it because I just don't trust like the process of it. You know, it like separates because it like separates all of your molecules and then puts them back together. And I don't think consciousness would survive that. I think once your brain separates everything would stop for a second and then come back and it would just be a new person who has your same all the electrical impulses and stuff in your brain so it'd have like all the memories and everything but it would be a different consciousness so i don't think that uh <laughs> i don't think you survive that so you know if there's in some whatever future if we make teleportation and then uh poor people like me get to use it i'm gonna say no portals i'll do portals or wormholes one two teleportation uh then next we got air force one with harrison ford and gary oldman uh this one's pretty fun it's fucking ridiculous imagine like the like they made this in the 90s from 1997 so it's like we still had some respect for like the presidential office and like the thought of like your president being a badass uh wasn't like laughable <laughs> you know so it's a it's a weird it's a weird movie in that sense but it's fun uh harrison ford brings a good gravitas to the role uh gary oldman's a good bad guy even though like i think he's i didn't like completely pay attention to all the politics that his character has uh but he seems like he's a communist or something and he wants to uh get rid of the like cushy you know the, like the capitalist leadership of russia which is uh probably a good thing i don't know it's weird to be talking about this like literally uh an hour or so after Russia has started to attack Ukraine. Um, I don't know. I don't have any big thoughts or uh, feelings about that situation, uh, except where it's fucked up and it makes me worried about what's going to happen uh, as we get more involved with this bullshit. Um, man, someone posted a like map of Twitter of like potential like nuclear targets in the U.S. Uh, and of course, like the LA area has like 20 different markers, like all layered on top of each other, which I know it's like, I probably a silly thing to worry about, but part of me wants to like find the most remote part of that map and move to it. Uh, I probably hate that life anyways, but whatever. So yeah, Gary Oldman's a bad guy, probably more sympathetic in hindsight than they intended him to be. Uh, but he's still good as a bad guy. And yeah, and that's like the whole ending of the movie, like there's so many layers of heightening that they do of like the stakes of him getting the hostages off and like defeating the bad guy, but then he has to fly the plane, but then they can't like fix the plane and then Migs are coming after them and then they have to like do this crazy like zipline operation to get the president and the last few people off. Uh, Yeah, it's just so many layers, but it all works. It all like feels good and it's a lot of cool action. Uh, So yeah, three and a half stars. Air Force One. Uh, and then next, and this one's actually a little detour off of our Action Boys list, which, uh, but this is like a movie that should be in their wheelhouse. I watched the 1989 Punisher uh, with Dolph Lundgren as the Punisher and uh, Louis Cossett Jr. as the um, detective who was friends with Frank Castle and then Jerome Crabb, who's like our bad guy from Living Daylights. Uh, he's in this as a mob guy, which is funny. Uh, and this one, it's, this movie's honestly pretty fucking sweet. It's, uh, you know, it's hard to top 
a Punisher movie where he fights ninjas in a Coney Island funhouse and they like ride down a slide shooting Uzis at at Frank Castle. Uh, it's pretty fucking cool. There's a part where there's also a part where because it's like the Punisher has been the Punisher for five years and then now he's getting wrapped up in like this situation where the the Italian mob is uh battling the Yakuza. And that's why we have uh, ninjas running around. And that's a that's a great premise for a Punisher story. Gives you some nice variety in the action. Uh, there's a part where a ninja throws a katana through a windshield to kill a mob guy. That's pretty fucking sweet. Um, and actually, I did like uh, Dolph Lundgren as Punisher. His voice was a little silly. Um, but like the big misstep in this movie is that they just didn't put the fucking shirt on him. He didn't wear the shirt with the skull. They like wanted to make it um i guess less comic booky but then you still have him wearing like these big ridiculous like terminator boots with like big like gaudy metal pieces around the sole and then his knives all have little skulls on them and then they try to recreate the uh the skull with Dolph Lundgren's face by like putting grease on his cheeks and i don't know if it's supposed to be a beard or if it's supposed to be just the punisher is always dirty and he has like grease on his cheeks and it's like a straight line under his cheekbone so his face kind of mimics the um the punisher skull uh so i don't know when you're doing all that it's just like why not just put a fucking shirt on him it would have made the like images from this movie feel more iconic (laughs) they also had a weird choice of punisher uh he lives in like a sewer layer like he's a fucking ninja turtle and they do like a camera zoom like through all these tunnels to him and his lair and he's sitting with his back to the camera fully nude like on his knees like he's meditating and you just see like in the way he's sitting like his legs are like he's like sitting on his knees he's not like cross-legged and he's like kind of like holding himself up so from the back you like see his butt and like the back of his balls <laughs> and they do this shot twice in the movie so you don't forget um and yeah so you know 3.5 it's a good silly 80s uh action movie and yeah Louis Costa Jr. in there he's always great to watch big fan of his after seeing him in uh enemy mine and uh what was the other one iron eagle and now this one i think he's in a couple more movies coming up in the action boys list so i'm excited to see more of him okay next up also not on the action boys list uh me and dexter watched the kingsman that came out last year the kingsman prequel movie that uh because dexter is a huge fan of those Kingsman movies and I like them a lot too I think they're really fun uh and this one's cool it's a fun movie uh there's some like you know so you're good action but it's very weird to like because I still do like the Kingsman style like wacky action like you got Rasputin doing like dance moves while he fights and all like the crazy like zooms and camera effects and everything during these fights so it's weird to have this like wacky exaggerated style but then apply it to uh World War One like a really fucked up like horrible tragic event and like most of the movie is about like the horrors of war and not wanting like Ray Fiennes not wanting his kid to go to war and how like stupid it is to want to die for your country it's not like a noble pursuit so it's like this whole it tries to be like this whole like condemnation of war or at least it feels like that's the vibe that they're going for but then <laughs> like I don't know it's still an action movie so you have to have like the big climactic battle where Ray Fine's character has a sword fight with this like thrilling music under it that like makes you feel like the thrill of battle you know it's weird but fun yeah you know don't need to analyze it too much and also like tonally it's the fucking post-credit sequence of this movie which this isn't really a spoiler this movie takes place in world war 
one, the next movie, obviously, because they're gonna, I think they're gonna do another one of these Kingsman uh, prequel, the setup of this agency movies, and so of course after World War One, you have to do World War Two, and uh, so they do the post credit sequence where like our bad guy, our like main bad guy, the shepherd. Or it's a character who has become the sheriff. I don't know, whatever. I don't need to explain it. He's like meeting up with a new person uh, who's going to help them with their like reign of evil and terror. And it's Adolf Hitler. And it's like a Marvel movie like <laughs> cameo appearance. Like there's that one very funny video on Twitter where uh, that happens and like the whole theater like erupts <laughs> and like cheers. And after he says Adolf Hitler, like you hear someone go like, let's fucking go. Which is... <laughs> it's just so fucking stupid um yeah i don't know i'll i'll watch the next one when it comes out and see what stupid fucking thing they do with hitler so yeah 3.5 for that too and then uh back to our action boys list watched uh nighthawks from 1981 with sylvester stallone billy williams and rugger hauer uh and this one's a fun time it's a weird movie for stallone he's not being like a huge character you know, he's definitely not in charge of this movie. Uh, and like, yeah, so like Stallone and Billy D. Williams are partners of like, they're like decoy cops. They like <laughs> pretend to, uh, like the opening scene is Stallone dressed up as a woman with a horrifying mask on because he has a beard in this movie and he doesn't shave it to pretend to be a woman. He just puts on a fucked up mask and to like lure muggers into attacking him so him and billy d can like take him down uh but then we also got rudger hauer who was like he's playing a guy named wolfgar who's a international terrorist and his cold open scene is um him putting a bomb in a department store but like i guess he gets into a lot of trouble for this with the international terrorist community and he has to like do plastic surgery and then run to new york but interpol is on him and so they make a task force and they draw in uh sylvester stallone and billy williams for some reason i can't remember i don't know exactly why <laughs> these are the guys the guys who trick muggers need to go on to the um terrorist task force and yeah then the whole movie is just kind of like a cat and mouse between those two and it's fun it's a good uh this came out in 81 but this is a good like 70s style cop action movie it's real weird because like in the the interpol like briefing scenes um uh the like lead guy from interpol is like trying to make sylvester stallone and his guys more violent because apparently the cops back then uh they hesitated too much they just needed to take the shot you know which i think that's like things they've actually been taught so that's how we've gotten to our state of police uh in america now so it's just funny to see this old interpretation of it um yeah billy d williams doesn't get enough to do in this he just is kind of there they don't give him like any chance to like have any charm or story he does have a sweet Superman shirt on, though. Uh, but yeah, so Nighthawks, three and a half stars. That's a pretty cool ending, but I don't want to spoil it for you. You should you should go watch this. Um, then I watched Clash of the Titans from 1981. And this is a weird one for the Action Boys to pick. But uh, you know they choose a lot of movies that they resonated with them when they were kids. So I get it, because this is basically a kid's movie. It's a Greek story about um fucking uh you know a kid who's like actually zeus's kid like has to go through trials to like get the woman of his dreams i don't know i'm not gonna fucking <laughs> summarize it uh but it's a it's a fun time it's like watching a stage play with a really big production uh budget which is fun all the effects uh they don't really age too well but they're still like really fun to watch there's a lot of like stop motion and like weird projection and stuff uh it's cool harry hamlin is good as the lead he's like 
very handsome, which is what you uh, feel like you need for these uh, Greek heroes. And you got Burgess Meredith um, as like his sidekick. And he's funny in this. And this is also the first time I've seen a movie uh, with Laurence Olivier, my possible relative, since we have the same last name. Probably doubt it, but you know. So, yeah, yeah. So, Laurence Olivier, that's of course a name I've known of my entire life because of my name. Why am I stumbling through this? Uh, so, yeah, this is the first time I've seen him in anything. Uh, and he's good in this as Zeus. Though it's wild to think he's like apparently was like riddled with cancer during this and he had to like lean on his co star in between takes. Uh, you know, which is sad, but, uh, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say <laughs> about Clash of the Titans. Uh, three and a half stars for this one. Three and a half. I wonder if three and a half is like a good, cause that's like my average score for things is three and a half. And I wonder if I need to rethink my rating system. I like never give a movie a three star. I think it's just three and a half. It's just like, if I think something's slightly above average and that's like most things, it's just like, it's slightly above average. But if then does that then become the average? Whatever. Oh, Letterboxd lets you look at your ratings. Apparently I give mostly four stars. I have 189 four star reviews. So 35% of my reviews are four stars and only 28% are three and a half. Weird. I feel like I use three and a half way more. Uh, anyways, next movie, uh, Money Train from 1995 with Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson and J-Lo. Uh, this was fine. There's some fun stuff in here, but it's like, it's such a weird, slow mess of like unused potential. Like you have some good, charming actors, some like decent roles uh, for them. But like the plot is just like, you spend so much time trying to establish Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes, like their relationship. They're like foster brothers. And so there's a lot of like reinforcing that Woody Harrelson is like the fuck up brother and like Wesley Snipes is kind of tired of it and like dealing with his shit. And like, we don't get to the titular like money train sequence until the very end because like, they're transit cops, uh, uh, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson and then J-Lo. But then like, and they're like weird transit cops. They're like, they like pretend to be drunk. This is another like decoy cop movie. They fucking pretend to be drunk so they can capture muggers who like try to rob from them on the subway station and like our opening scene is like Woody Harrelson pretending to be drunk these kids like try to rob him but then they reveal that they're cops and like chase them through like the stations and then in the chase they end up the kid ends up like getting onto another platform where the money train is and there's another section of like transit cops and these are like big like SWAT suited guys with guns and like Dean Norris is like the head of them and they just see this kid running towards them and he's like since he's running from these other cops he's not going to stop but they think he's running for the money train so they like shoot this kid dead so our like opening thing is like this weird thing where you have to decide which cops side you're on but it's like it's just sad that this it's just fucked up that this it's just sad that this kid (laughs) dies from this horrible confluence of our uh systems where we only enforce the protection of property over people you know whatever i don't know there's a better way to put that but you know what i mean um so yeah i don't know and then there's like a cool there's some like cool stuff in here like there's a chris cooper plays this like bad guy the torch who like has this elaborate system of like uh jugs of kerosene or gas like strapped to his body and then a hose that comes out of his sleeve and he like puts it through the little like ticket taker hole and like sprays down the people working in the booth with gas and then lights them on fire so he can like rob them but really he's there just for the thrill of burning someone alive uh and like that's a cool character but then you give him like two major action sequences but it has nothing to do with like the rest of the movie really uh so it's like you could have made a movie just focusing on this guy 
that would have been fun. Or cut them out and just have a cooler, bigger, like, train sequence. I don't know. And, like, J-Lo is just kind of there in the movie. Like, she's good. She's charming. And, like, it's fun that she's in it. But she's just there for, like, to, like, have this weird love triangle between Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. Because they're both, like, immediately in love with her. I mean, which I guess I get. I guess after a few hours of hanging out with J-Lo, I probably also would, like, think she could change my life, you know? Um, And then Robert Blake is in this, and he's, like, our main bad guy. He's the guy... He's like the head of the transit authority and his main priority is this money train and making sure he gets to where he needs to go at all times. And they just make him like an over the top bad guy just so we have someone to be angry at instead of our competent uh, cop protagonist protagonist and he has they give him some like wild lines he's like he's one of his lines is we will tangle ass and you will lose what the fuck does tangle ass mean uh another scene after like i can't remember what this is in reference to but he just says i'll be there and i'll and i'll fuck you dead uh oh it's fucked up yeah money train uh i just get one on that whole thing about how i don't give anything three stars this gets three stars it's not unbearable, and it feels, there's some elements in it that feel slightly above average, so, you know, three stars. Uh, and then next, another little detour off of the Action Boys list. So, I looked at uh, other movies that Lawrence Olivier has been in, because I felt like maybe I should watch more of his stuff. Uh, and I noticed that this movie, uh, Sleuth, from 1972 was on it. And this was on my list, I put on my list sometime last year, I think after watching uh, get Carter because it's a Michael Caine movie, but like I didn't know where to find it, so I decided to like try and look for it again because this movie, it's weird. This is an amazing fucking movie, uh, but the rights are in this weird limbo because the rights for it were bought out by this pharmaceutical company that had an entertainment division. But pretty soon after they bought this movie, the entertainment division just closed down, and so now like nobody really owns this movie. And I don't know why someone with a lot of money hasn't, like, tried to figure out this, like, whatever legal loophole limbo this is in. And, like, because this movie needs to, like, have, a like, a restoration and, like, a fucking, like, a wide, like, Blu-ray or 4K release or some shit, you know? Like, uh, I had to watch this on YouTube. Someone a month ago uploaded it. So if you search Sleuth 1972, you too can watch this movie. Uh, and you should. It's fucking, it's so goddamn good and fun. It's just these two actors, Michael Caine, Lawrence Olivier, having a good-ass time. Uh, Lawrence Olivier is, uh, an old, like, detective, like, novel writer. Like, he has his, I can't remember the name, it's something like Meridu, um, is his, like, Sherlock Holmes, and he writes these novels, and so he has this big house in, like, the English countryside, and it's full of, like, all these weird animatronics and, like, toys that he has, and then he invites Michael Caine over, because Michael Caine is, like, a young man, in this. This is 1972, so Laurence Olivier is still old, but not as old as he was in 1981, obviously. But, like, Michael Caine is playing a younger, kind of more lower-class guy who's trying to pretend to be upper-class because he's having an affair with Laurence Olivier's wife. And then the whole movie is just them, like, antagonizing each other uh, about this and, like, trying to fuck with each other. Um, but yeah, it's just, like, like, a lot of really clever dialogue and, like, um, and, like, the whole, the plot, like, keeps you 
pretty involved in guessing the whole time. Like, it's kind of easy to guess, but it's still, it's fun. It's just fun all the way throughout. This was like a play first, and it definitely feels like a play. And this is like one of the first things I've watched in a while that like made me want to act. <laughs> it's like been a while. Um, yeah, it would just be so fun to be in something like this. I think I'm just a sucker for movies that are based off of plays with two British guys. Because <laughs> also, I think the last movie that like made me want to feel like this is when I watched Rosencrantz and Guildensterner Dead a long time ago. I've always wanted to do a production of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just really good. The production sign's great. This house that they're in, like all the stuff they put in for uh, to like flesh out the kind of person that Laurence Olivier is in this. He has all these animatronics that he can like trigger with like a switch and like these wind up toys. And they do all these great shots of like the... Like, the main one is this big animatronic, like, sailor who looks like something out of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, and he impresses the button and he laughs. And they do a lot of shots of, like, the puppet reacting to, um, <laughs> things that they say. And obviously, like, the they've moved the puppet for it. It's not just, like, the same shot. So it's, like, this weird, like, almost supernatural thing. Like, it's never, like, an actual supernatural element of the story, but it's, like, these weird, like, spectators of these two men's lives or what these puppets are doing. Uh, that was an awful sentence, but you know what I mean. Oh, and a little, like, personal, uh, Easter egg for me and me alone. You know, I watched this because it's Laurence Olivier. At the beginning, he's, like, dictating his next novel into a recorder, and, and there's a character named Burton. So I get to hear Laurence Olivier say, uh, my name multiple times in this movie. Weird. Weird, uh, what's the word for that? Coincidence? Synchronicity? <laughs> Whatever. Sleuth, 1972. Four and a half stars fucking fantastic movie someone needs to buy it and restore it um okay and then uh next movie another big blind spot uh being filled for me i watched raiders of the lost ark in a, the indiana jones movie 1981 the first one i never watched any indiana jones movie before this it was kind of one of those things where it's like i know everybody loves it and it's popular so i just I was like, I, I don't need to. It's there. I'm sure it's good. I don't need to go out of my way to find out about it. Uh, and I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> I should have watched this earlier. It's great. It's such a like amazingly well-crafted movie. And it's like exciting throughout. It's interesting throughout the whole thing. Uh, fucking, it's just, it's really good. I'm a fool for not watching this sooner. You know, Harrison Ford is fantastic. It's like the height of his powers in this. Like, he's great in Air Force One, but like this young Indy, he's like charming. He's like the only person who, like the scene where Indy is like uh, lecturing to his college class and like all the girls are like fawning over him and the one girl writes, they like, love you on her eyelids, uh, which is ridiculous. But since it's Harrison Ford, you believe it, you know? If he was your teacher in 1936, looking like that, you'd probably probably uh, be fawning over him too but yeah i don't know it's just i don't know what the fuck to say about it it's just a great movie like the whole story is like uh interesting and like well toned like all the exposition like there's like one scene that's like blatant exposition but most of it's done through showing and not telling which is cool and you know you have the big macguffin of the uh the Ark of the Covenant that they're chasing the whole time, but that's like a cool MacGuffin, and it leads to like that badass scene at the end where all the Nazis get killed by it, which uh, the Nazi face melting scene made me think of. If you remember back an episode or a few episodes ago when I talked about Robocop, uh, there was that site where I used to read like that website that would like 
read fanfic and then the guy would like make comments on it he would use the like image of the nazi's face melting as like a reaction image anytime like something particularly gross happened in the fanfic so anytime i think about this nazi face melting i think of like awful fanfic where fucking shrek fucks wonder woman in the swamp um (laughs) um this movie also had like a weird personal like one-two punch of uh making me nostalgic for things because the opening scene was filmed on Kauai uh and there's a part where like after Andy like gets his mission he like flies and you follow the um uh the plane like the line on the map and he stops for a layover in Hawaii and like I've been thinking lately more about visiting home I know my mom's gonna hear this and freak out but um I don't know I just see pictures of it it'd be nice to go back and visit but you know all this COVID bullshit and I just don't feel like flying right now, but it would be nice to go home. And then right after that, like, flight graphic thing, it cuts to, like, Marion, um, uh, Karen Allen, the uh, love interest, and she's great. She's fucking fantastic in this movie, and she's beautiful, but she's just, like, slamming down shots, like, drinking this guy under the table, uh, which the only time I ever want to drink is when I see people doing it in extremely unhealthy ways in movies. It would be so fun to slam down a few shots. I don't actually want to. But you get that twinge sometimes when you see it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't have much else to say about Indiana Jones or the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, I did read that like Spielberg's mindset whenever he was making this was just to make a B movie to like make one of those old school like serials, but with a bigger budget. And that's like it was the perfect mindset. He fucking fully accomplished what he was doing or what he set out to do. So you know, four and a half stars for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, great movie it probably could be a five star but since i wasn't like i usually only get five stars if i feel like emotionally connected to something because sleuth also probably should be five stars but i didn't uh i didn't choke up you know so um four and a half for raiders and then for our last movie of the week and in the vein of indiana jones i went and watched uh the new uncharted movie uh went out to a theater this is where my a lot of driving comes in so i've been like looking for a matinee showing with no one else in the theater to go watch this uh because i'm still too overly paranoid and it's like i don't want to risk catching covid to watch the fucking uncharted movie uh when batman comes out i'll probably have to go to a theater with a few people in it but for uncharted i'm gonna find a fucking empty theater so first i was gonna go to the south gate uh regal so that's a 30 minute drive it said nobody was in it so i like drove 30 minutes there got to the parking lot checked on the app 10 people had bought tickets like right in like the areas i would want to sit to so it's like fuck and then but there was an 1150 showing at the regal at the galleria in sherman oaks which is up in the valley which was a 40 minute drive and that showing was starting at 1150 and the drive was like 45 minutes so i drove from southgate all the way up to the valley uh another a decent drive but i get there uh and no one else showed up for it so i had a huge this was like a huge theater too like one of their main auditoriums uh and it was just me uh sitting in the back row watching the uncharted movie uh and it was a good time i don't know if it was necessarily worth all that driving but you know it wasn't like bad driving there were a lot of wild people out today a lot of fucking people weaving in and out of traffic being fucking reckless and stupid uh but, you know i didn't get like angry while i was driving so that's good um but yeah, Uncharted, it's uh, it's fun enough. 
Uh, there's some pretty sweet action sequences, and I felt like they did a pretty decent job of uh, capturing the vibe of the games. They definitely fall short, and they um, they leave out like a few key elements, because like the main one that they're missing for me is that there's no supernatural shit in this, because that's one thing I really liked about the Uncharted Jank. <laughs> the uncharted games is um like indiana jones you know it's a pretty grounded movie if like everyone's kind of a little cartoony but at the end you get the fact that the ark of the covenant was real you know and it kills all these people like ghosts fucking up nazis and shit and in the uncharted games it always ends up feeling like a regular mission but like you know you're looking for el dorado or some like lost city and then you find it and it's full of like weird zombie creatures or like buff blue like demon dudes you know uh which is cool it adds like a cool fun new villain to fight and it's usually like wrapped into the story pretty well but they just completely dropped that for this movie no supernatural whatever but you still get like like i said some good action sequences some good like figuring out puzzles that are actually like pretty simple uh but you know you gotta make them dump down for your average video game player or uh popcorn movie watcher um and yeah even like i was iffy on i'm still kind of iffy on tom holland being cast as um as drake he doesn't exactly fit the vibe the correct vibe because like he's like a man in the games uh and tom holland still just looks like a boy he's playing like a 25 year old version of him but you know it's hard not to think of him as a teen and especially because they do a part where uh there's a flashback to an even younger nathan drake played by another kid and this kid like i swear he looked like he was like 13 or 14 but then they later say that that's him whenever he was 10 and that was 15 years ago so this is like a 25 year old uh nathan drake that tom holland is playing so it was, it was just weird but you get used to him and as like the movie goes on he feels a little more comfortable in the role and he's also fucking jacked <laughs> in this movie like he gets to like do some shit with his uh shirt off and he's like completely shredded um very impressive and they do a pretty good job with uh, recreating the like the opening of the movie is the stunt sequence of all the cargo pallets being like off the back of the plane and uh, Drake has to like jump from them, you know, jump across them while fighting off dudes and trying not to like fall to his death off of this plane. Uh, and that's like they do that action sequence and then like the movie goes back and then we come back to that sequence and they do a good job of like you saw some like pretty cool shit at the beginning of the movie and they do a good job of like expanding it to like other stuff that was happening while it was going on and then like the ending of this sequence uh was very good and then after this <laughs> they throw in the easter egg of um uh they like wash up on a beach and they see this guy who's like lounging in a chair and it's the voice actor of Nathan Drake from the video games and he's wearing the baseball tee like he wears in the game uh and he's like man what happened to you guys and they're like oh you know we jumped off of a car that fell out of a plane or whatever and he's like <laughs> and he says uh he's like you know I did something like that once and he's like oh okay all right and he's like good luck guys and I would have punched I like had an idea to punch that up instead of like earnestly being like you know i, I did something like that once he should have just like laid back in his chair and you're just like been there brother <laughs> no good luck guys that it would have been nice to have like a little nonchalant and it was like because the way they did it like they put a little too much focus on him uh it's like we get it that's the guy um but it's still fun it's nice that they put him in the movie but anyways it was fun three and a half stars uh definitely a movie you can wait and watch when it's streaming on fucking Hulu or whatever it's going to be on. Uh, yeah. 
that's it for um for this week for today uh, uh on consume i've been bert and olivier at birdzor on everything if you have any questions comments or recommendations uh but for now it's time i disappear